the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the week five college football betting preview. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, is Colin Wilson. It's a beautiful, beautiful card starting right at noon. The noon slate is amazing. It's the start for me of real official college football from here on out. It looks like everything's going to be cleared out by the time these games kick off on Saturday. From a weather perspective, is there anything you're eyeing from a weather standpoint or any game that looks like it's going to be really impacted before we dive in here to a beautiful, glorious week five? I think the two big ones that were on my mind was the Coastal game. And that one was a really tough one because Coastal is a triple option, you know, base. They get outside the pockets. Grayson McCall runs that. Like Grayson McCall has a little bit of a banged up ankle. That was a really tough game to handicap, not just from a weather perspective and keeping on top of that. But although the wind gusts about two days ago were predicted to be 50 miles an hour for Clemson and NC State, those wind gusts have now been tailed down below 30 miles an hour and sustained winds around 14 miles an hour. There is going to be a lot of precip in that game. So I think it puts an emphasis on tackling. So we'll get to that game later. We're going to start with Friday Night Lights. Got a pretty good Friday night slate. But before we do, just want to give a heads up to our listeners out there. Action is a new live show called Green Dot Daily. Quick roundup of the day's betting that airs every weekday at noon on the Action app and our social channels. You'll see Colin and I on there on Thursday and Fridays. Chris Raybon, our whole team, swings by at some point during the week to give their daily picks. We just launched the podcast version of the show with new shows every weekday afternoon. Go up about 1 o'clock, so be sure to subscribe to the Green Dot Daily Podcast. Again, it's the Green Dot Daily Podcast presented by our friends at BetMGM. All right, let's get into Friday Night Lights. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's go play some football. Let's start with the, the marquee game, Washington at UCLA. UCLA is a three-point home underdog. Look, I I faded Washington incorrectly last week, and I, I was as high as anyone on Washington, but I think that this this game should be a coin flip. So I took the three, a three-and-a-half, like UCLA, down to plus three. couple things in my handicap here. Washington is very good. I love them coming into the year, but I think that the love has gotten a little out of hand. If you go back, you know, they beat Kent State, okay, they beat an FCS team. They beat Michigan State. Have we seen what Michigan State has looked like? So that win, which was what, they won by 11, and Jaden Reed didn't play for Michigan State? Michigan State just got absolutely obliterated by Minnesota. It didn't I, They hadn't looked great all year. So that win doesn't mean as much to me. And then last week against Stanford. I didn't upgrade Washington that much because that came that game came down to an extenuating circumstance. During the week, late in the week, Stanford's right tackle got ruled out. You know, I don't usually think there's a huge drop-off between offensive linemen. It's not going to impact the spread. That did. Their backup right tackle, 
and Sanford gave up like eight sacks under pressure all night, had arguably the worst game for a right tackle in the history of college football. He finished with a pass blocking grade of one. One. He got abused. It changed the entire game with that right tackle being out. I wish I knew that. But again, that's all they capitalized on. So I, I don't I don't think that the, the wins that Washington has shown have been as impressive as they might have seemed at the time. UCLA mobile quarterback can give this defensive scheme some problems. I think that'll be the difference here. I think it'll be a close game. I think it's basically a coin flip. I think UCLA is going to find a way to win, but I'll gladly take the three. Do you agree? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm all, I'm on UCLA all the way. I think they're going to win outright. I project this Washington minus two, but you mentioned the Michigan state game. Like Michigan state was missing two of their key defenders in the secondary. Jaden Reed didn't make the flight. So, you know, a little bit of fool's gold there with what Washington ha- having to deal with. And now they're going to go on the road for the first time this year and their yep. defense is going to have to stop Zach Charbonnet, Keegan Jones running the ball and the scrambling attempts of Dorian Thompson Robinson And, you know, Michigan State was able to put a scare into that backdoor number because, you know, Washington, it wasn't just because of the rush. Peyton Thorne was able to throw into that secondary that's 71st against coverage. So, you know, DTR's big time throw rate is one of the lowest of his career right now at 1.8%. But I have to ask, like, is that by design? You've played Colorado, South Bama, Bowling Green. Has there been things left off tape? waiting for this Friday night game for Washington to come to town. His adjusted completion percentage rate is 12% higher than his previous career best. So I'm wondering if shots downfield or some things that we haven't seen from the Chip Kelly playbook just haven't come out yet. But the rushing attack is something Washington's going to have to deal with. This is the toughest defensive front for Washington that they've had to face. UCLA has had 11 sacks. That's in the top 25 right now. So I am all about the Bruins right here with two head coaches that just faced each other last year when Fresno went down and beat uh, UCLA. Yeah, I agree. Uh, One of the uglier games on the slate, New Mexico catching 14 against UNLV. UNLV 4-0 against the spread. By the way, home favorites with a two-touchdown-plus average cover margin that are undefeated against the spread. UNLV fits that mold. So does JMU, Minnesota, and Arkansas State. Home favorites that fit that mold in weeks four and five are 21, 41, and four, 33% against the spread failing to cover by an average margin of about six points. The only situation that's popped up so far this year, Syracuse against Virginia, obviously didn't cover. So I think it's a good sell high spot on UNLV. New Mexico, their offense is dreadful, but their defense is really good. They'll be able to come up with a good defensive game plan, low total, stay within two touchdowns here. I think UNLV has gotten a little bit too much love. Do you agree? What UNLV done is legit. And Marcus Arroyo down there didn't never use the pieces that he actually had. Like Doug Brumfield was sharing snaps all last year. He couldn't get healthy. And when he was healthy, he wasn't being utilized the way that he needed to be. So we have new offensive coordinator, Nick Holtz. Uh, they're 4-0 against the spread because of the ground attack. Uh, you, you know, to, to put it in perspective. UNLV had 3.3 yards per carry against the Cal defense. That's what Notre Dame put up against Cal. So, you know, we're at least at that kind of level with a rushing attack. And Aiden Robbins has just been unstoppable. 3.9 yards after contact. He's already created 17 missed tackles this year. And Brumfield's healthy. That is a matchup problem with his wheels. Uh, And he's 
throwing better than he ever has in his life. Eight touchdowns to one interception. I mean, we've never seen that out of his arm before. And the question is, can New Mexico stop any of this? They are great in defending the pass, 18th in coverage grading. They're 20th in havoc. They have been, uh, you know, forcing some offenses to change some things up. But, you know, that havoc number is assisted by seven forced fumbles and a high mark in PBUs. They're not really playing in the backfield and doing anything against uh, the rush of their opponents. And the Lobos are 127th in tackling. That is not going to be good in an open field against Brumfield and Aiden Robbins. So, you know, both teams are excellent defensively in finishing drives, so I can see why the total is so low, especially with what the pace is going to be. But I think UNLV team total over is the way to go. I, I agree. The 14 and a half too much. 14 too much. is a game I make 11 and a half. Uh, it feels like backdoor New Mexico territory, but at the same time, I can't ignore the fact that what UNLV is doing on the ground, especially with Brumfield, who we bet on every week last year, it's for real. Uh, but you know, we'll see what they can do against New Mexico, but the spread is extremely inflated. Come dumpster diving with me on the Lobos. If you're listening and we'll be doing a lot more dumpster diving on Saturday, but we'll get to that in a minute. Another game I want to cover Friday night quickly, San Diego state goes to Boise State. Boise State, six, six and a half point favorite here. Total 39. I faded Boise State last Friday night. I am on them here. I'm laying six with Boise, if you can believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> look, this they have a new offensive coordinator in here. Tim Plow is a disaster. They bring in Dirk Cutter, the savior, who started like the run of Boise State back in 98. He was golfing. They somehow got him to get off the golf course and come in to be an offensive coordinator. They're going to start I mean, Backmeyer, Hank Backmeyer transferred. They're going to start the kid green who has wheels. I think it, the offense is going to have a whole new look, something San Diego State's not ready for. The Boise State front seven has been generally really good this year, and San Diego State can't throw the ball a lick. So I think Boise State, there's a lot of optimism now with the new offensive coordinator, new quarterback. I think you might see some tempo, some new looks. And there's just juice now, and they're a little bit healthier. And this San Diego State offense is terrible. I'm laying it; it's scary, but I'm I'm playing Boise here, minus six. The only thing I'm going to ask you is, you are undefeated on the totals for us. You haven't got one right yet, so the fades of San Diego State totals are still flawlessly intact. Over or under here? Oh, you know I'm going over, right? I mean, but the problem is I'm waiting on the right number, right? Go ahead and write it down. The way to, the problem is I'm waiting on the right number. 39, you know, no thanks. 37, 38, yeah, I can be talked into that. Uh, and I, I think really what you mentioned was, is that Taylor Green and what he does on the ground, that is something that, you know, San Diego State is going to have to be ready for. We have not seen him throw a pass since week one against Oregon State. He had two turnover-worthy plays. Maybe that's the reason he hasn't thrown a pass since. But his scrambling against the Beavers is notable. Uh, he had a 74-yard touchdown uh, in the third quarter, something that, you know, USC was incapable of doing last week. So, you know, the San Diego State defense, they're kind of middling against the rush. They're 115th in tackling. And that really, you know, kind of points me in the direction of the over. Chance Bell's going to come right, back. Stop. That's enough. That's enough. That's what? Enough. Uh, you only get a minute. You only get a minute because no one needs to waste time hearing about. Oh, all right. Let me, just, let me just say Jalen Armstead for San Diego State is averaging 8.1 yards after contact. That, that is unbelievable. This this isn't over. I'm just waiting for the right number. Aztec overs. All right. You went under in the first game. They went way over. You've gone over ever since. And the games have gone way under. Um, I guess eventually a San Diego State game will go over if you keep saying over. 
they're due to maybe get an overtime game eventually. But I hope this doesn't go to overtime because I'm laying six. Um, if you, by the way, a couple other games on Friday night, UTSA, uh, Middle Tennessee, Colin, you'll cover that later in another segment. Tulane, Houston, uh, check out the group of five deep dive. They did a really good job breaking this game down. And if you want to fade, we have uh, Mike Ionella fader on the uh, voicemail, 959-BAD-BEAT, by the way. Make sure you check that out. You can fade Ionella. He really likes the side in this game. Uh, but now it's time to move on to the marquee games of the weekend. It's another fabulous weekend of college football. Let's check out the marquee matchups we'll all end up betting for week five. All right, let's start with an ugly one. Michigan at Iowa. Iowa, an 11-point home dog over under 42. This game is on Fox. It's the big noon kickoff or whatever they call it. If you recall, Michigan, much to my chagrin, when they were running up the score, albeit for a legit reason after the fact I found out, against Iowa last year in the Big Ten Championship, they destroyed them. By the way, Iowa at home, there's like Kinnick Magic. They're, I think, 6-1 and one against the spread against top seven teams over the past 10 years. Pulled off a few upsets, almost a few others. And since 2008, there's been a, a top five team has gone down 40 times to an unranked team. Four of those 40 have been Iowa pulling off the upset. Why is there, you know, obviously they have a great home field advantage and they do all the little things right. The turnovers, the penalties, the, you know, they're not going to beat themselves, generally speaking. And the games are low scoring, slower, more variance. All of those are usually a recipe for success to pull off an upset in front of a raucous crowd. My problem with Iowa, and I show a little bit of value on this on the Hawkeyes here. My problem with Iowa is they made they kicked a 55-yard field goal and banked it in last week to ruin the under. But my other problem with Iowa here is what do they do really well? They don't they take care of the ball and their special teams are elite. We talked about this going into the Big Ten championship last year. Michigan special teams are also elite and they take care of the ball generally. This is what we talked about last year. So is that does that make this a really bad matchup for Iowa? We know, look, Michigan had a bunch of cupcakes, didn't look as great against Maryland. We know who Iowa is. Their offense blows and their defense is elite. If you look at like their statistical profile, it's all green on the defensive side and all red. It's like bottom five offense, top five defense. So I lean Iowa here, but I'm afraid that like Michigan's not going to make mistakes. Their special teams are just as good. And Iowa kind of needs those hidden points. Penalties, too. Both teams are pretty good in that department. What do you see here? Uh, at 41, you're going to buy the over. Yeah, I have a full preview coming out on action. And, you know, spoiler alert, Iowa and the over is, is going to be the play. But you're going to want to get first, a First 10 minutes of the show, you're giving away San Diego State and Iowa overs. Unreal. Michigan has stated what they want to do is they just want to run the ball relentlessly with Blake Corum. Now, we don't have word on whether Donovan Edwards is going to play, but if it's just Blake Corum, they're going to be able to load up the box and go after him because I don't expect a lot of passing going on. And, you know, Iowa is one of the best teams in the nation on defense and preventing explosive plays. They're just they're not going to allow it happen. So, you know, I don't have any love for the Iowa offense, and Michigan is the best coverage team in the nation. So I don't, I'm not expecting, you know, any miracles here out of Brian Ferentz and uh, this Hawkeyes offense. But, but 
Iowa is really good at taking mistakes on defense and special teams and turning them into touchdowns or at least getting into scoring position to get some field goals up in the air. And J.J. McCarthy fumbled twice against Maryland. He had four fumbles last year and just 22 rushing attempts. And this is just a real issue that Iowa can turn into quick touchdowns. This Michigan offensive line is 60th in pass blocking. J.J. McCarthy is going to get harassed, could turn into scrambles. Ball could come out. And, you know, there could be havoc in, in passing down. So similarly, you know, Iowa's 103rd and havoc allowed. There could be some quick Michigan scores here. I mean, I mean, there's Iowa's letting people play in the backfield. Iowa's got interceptions. It's not like they're clean on offense either. So JJ McCarthy, that Iowa offensive line, havoc allowed is an issue for both of these teams that could turn into quick scores. That's probably the formula to get this number to go over. Now, 41 is the most is the most key in this range by far. There are some 41 and a halves here. Stuck and I talk. I've already bought, you know, a little bit of juice on it and made it 41. I do like the over more than I like Iowa, but I like them both. I might play Iowa small here, small, and uh, it's a nice noon sweat because I do show value on them. But they're going to need to get help. Now, it usually happens in Kinnick. So, but just Michigan hasn't been mistake prone. But, you know, last weekend they made a couple. So maybe. But I do think that there's a little bit of value on Iowa in this number. And this spot, they've almost always come through. There's Kinnick magic. Even last year when I had them against Penn State, Penn State's about to win by 50. Sean Clifford gets hurt. Like every, something always happens. And I was going to be like down four with the ball and then hand it off four times and Michigan kneels it away. Um, all right. So let's move on to our second market game of the day. Also at noon, let's move to the SEC. Two ranked teams, Kentucky at Ole Miss. Ole Miss, seven point favorite here over under, sitting around 53, 53 and a half. By the way, one of the best bets that you can make on, on the road, coach on the road, as far as unders. Are concerned Jimbo Fisher by far is number one. Number two is Mark Stoops. And the interesting thing about this game is I still don't know. I don't still don't know if we know who Ole Miss is. Now they should get a couple key defenders back. They should get healthier in the backfield. They might get Robinson back at receiver. A bunch of their guys didn't play last week. Ole Miss also has just been doing nothing once they get a lead. They, they went up against Tulsa and then did nothing against I had Troy and luckily Ole Miss said we're not going to do anything so I don't know if they're just not showing anything but it's a new quarterback you would think they would want to get wraps it's a, a bunch of new players across the board on offense and defense it's I call them transfer you I think look I like Ole Miss in this game up if you can get below seven I have been low coming into into the air on Kentucky my mind has not been changed at all this is a team that their offensive line is a disaster it's it's a disaster. Look, they went to they went and beat Florida when Anthony Richardson just shit the bed. They had a good defensive game plan, and we talked about how it's a bad matchup for Florida. But you know, Miami, Ohio, they got lucky in that game. That game was close. And then Northern Illinois against their backup, like that game was way too close for comfort. Against Youngstown, they're throwing picks. They couldn't run the ball against any of them. They're 123rd in EPA per rush, 95th on early down EPA. Like it's a it's bad this offense. Will Levis has not been as advertised. They really miss Wondell Robinson. On the flip side, they do get Chris Rodriguez back. How effective will he be in his return? He should provide a big boost to the rushing attack. Uh, I still don't know if we know what this Ole Miss offense is. I think you know Kentucky's going to prevent the explosive play. Ole Miss does the same, so I don't think you're going to see a lot of explosive plays in this game. Ole Miss, I, you know, I think Kentucky's really going to lean on the run. I, I like Ole Miss. I don't feel great about it. I do really like the under Stoops unders. He had a quote 
on the road. I think they want to take the crowd out of this game, get back to their identity with Chris Rodriguez. Stoops had a quote earlier this week. He said, everyone was asking about Rodriguez and the running game and how it's not been good. And he said, oh, now everyone gives a shit about the running game. I thought no one cares. No one Now, now the running game is important. I think Stoops wants to get back to hammering, running the ball, and defense in this game, take the crowd out of it. So I would look under here. I know we got beat so hard on a defensive holding call on Northern on Kentucky on fourth down last week, and then Northern Illinois put a touchdown into hook us. But I like the under here. I think Kentucky is going to grind this down. I'm still not sold on the Ole Miss offense. Right. Um, now they should be healthier in the backfield, but just from what I've seen from Dart, it hasn't really been that impressive. Uh, I know you've been higher on Kentucky than me all year. <laughs> so do you like the do you like the Cats here catching seven? Your cats? Well, I d- I definitely agree with you on the under. The issue is I want fifty five pretty bad. That was a number it crossed through fifty five early in the week. I was so obsessed with hurricane totals earlier in the week. This one kind of flew by the radar. Uh, but fifty five is the number that I'm aiming at. If I have to wait till live to get under on it, then then I will. But I think, you know, Tulsa was my best bet last week and, uh, you know, Davis Byrne gets injured and Braylon Braxton comes in and they don't miss a beat. And I think the thing that popped out the most for me against the Ole Miss defense is that Tulsa gained 262 yards on the ground, 6.1 yards per attempt. So if Stoops wants to find a time to get this running game going for Kentucky, this might be it because Right now, Cavassier smoke, you know, he's had two fumbles. He's got middling ranks and yards after contact, just two rushes that have gone over 15 yards. So we'll see what Chris Rodriguez can can do. And I don't know where Will Levis's game is whatsoever. Like you see 10 touchdowns to, to four INTs. He's only had two big time throws and six, and he's had six turnover worthy plays. And I think that there's just a lot of things going on with this Kentucky offense. The offensive line is outside the top 50 in pass blocking. There's a high drop rate, 9%. That goes to 12% and play action passing, which Kentucky needs to have. I do think that Kentucky's going to try to establish a run, like Stoop said. That's why we love the under. I hope I can get 55 at some point. But flipping over to the Ole Miss side, Jackson Dart, not been good. Uh, he's not going to beat that zone coverage that Kentucky put on Florida. You know, they're 20th in the nation in coverage. Dart ranks 107th and just a completion percentage of all quarterbacks with 50 passing attempts. Think about that. He's the 107th most accurate passer. That's what Ole Miss is, 65% rush. So it's under all the – you're right, Stuck. It's under all the way. I don't trust Jackson Dart. It shows in the numbers. He's completely inaccurate. Will Levis's whole entire rush game is gone. He can eat as many bananas and may- mayo coffees as, he's, as he wants, but it's taken his legs away. The under here, I'm just being a little greedy wanting to get that 55. I think Kentucky has major flaws that haven't been exposed yet on the offensive side. and. Ole Miss will get Coleman back. They're one of their their best players on defense. Although Otis Reese is a pretty important player, I believe is out for the first half with targeting. So maybe that's another reason to wait for a live under or the second half under. I would lean Ole Miss, but this this line has has gotten out of hand. All right, let's move on to our third marquee game of the day, and the one I've been can't wait for your breakdown on Alabama at Arkansas. Arkansas is a seventeen and a half. Point home underdog over under 61. This game's at 3.30. CBS. I can hear the CBS music right now breaking in. I, you know, the the Arkansas defense still scares me here. They are 90 98th EPA per rush, 83rd EPA per pass. It's just been bad across the board. No Catalan really hurts. 
I will say that Alabama, this was, I was reading an article earlier this week, Alabama on the road, again, on true road games against top 10 teams since Saban won his first championship in 2009. September 25th, 2010 at Arkansas, they won by four. 2012 at LSU, won by four. 2013 at Texas A&M, won by seven. 2013 at Auburn, they lost by six. 2016 at Tennessee, they rolled. 2017 at Auburn, they lost by 12. 2018 at LSU, they rolled. So five of those seven games against top 10 teams on the road, true road games, were either a loss or one score win. Bryce Young on the road at Florida last year, true road games, won by two at Texas A&M, lost to Calzada. At Auburn, won by two in four overtimes. At Texas, won by one. At Mississippi State is the only game they rolled. Last year, and Alabama has owned this series, but last year Alabama only won by seven at home against Arkansas. Alabama's offense looked underwhelming in the opener against Texas in a game they probably should have lost. But since it's looked great, but it's against buttercups, cupcakes. And so, like, how much do you take of it? Because the talent differential is massive. I don't think that they're as explosive on the outside, but I also don't know if Arkansas's defense can stop them. The question is, what's the pace going to be? Can Arkansas's offense keep up? Because Alabama's run defense has been really good. Can Jefferson make the throws here without Traylon Burks? He's been better than I thought throwing the ball without Burks so far. How does this play out? Just talk to me. Woo, pig suey. Absolute dumpster fire, dumpster fire. I don't know how we win a game the rest of the year. Just blow the program up. Give us a death sentence. Collins talking Razorback football. I think that article that you read in the news that's been floating around about what Alabama has done in true road games under Bryce Young, that's fueled a lot of money that's come in on Arkansas here. And no matter how much money comes in on Arkansas, the books are just holding steady on this number. And there's just a lot of words out. I mean, there's a lot of comforting things if you want to back Arkansas. Besides hearing about, you know, what Bryce Young has done in true road games, almost every power rating in the world, including us, says that this is too high. SP Plus makes this 15 and a half. I got it around 12. Uh, and I even upgraded Arkansas after the box score against Texas A&M. You know, even Saban's coming out in his presser, and he's like, I have so much respect for Sam Pittman and Arkansas. They're well-coached. They're physical. We don't know what to do with K.J. Jefferson. Get the hell out of here, Saban. You know what you're going to do with K.J. Jefferson. You know, everybody gets all excited about the beginning of the season. You know, you get excited about getting married. All right, but after you're married for a while, you know, you got to have a process to make it work. We need to have a process to make it work in every game that we play. Every game that we play. Uh, I can understand why there's a lot of money coming in on Arkansas, but I'm just here to tell everybody that the Razorbacks do not have the pieces to hang with Alabama whatsoever. And I'll start with, you know, the Alabama defense against the Arkansas offense because the Arkansas offense was up and down the field against Texas A&M, a really good defense. Will Anderson has dominated Arkansas historically. Five and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, and that's going up against our tackle, Dalton Wagner. He's played in this series the last two seasons. He's had four sacks recorded against him. You have to close the A and B gaps if you want to take the Arkansas run away. Alabama's got that. 
you know, Arkansas is going to have to try to get outside the tackles and make something explosive happen with Raheem Sanders. There's not much left in this running back stable. Dominique Johnson, just a couple touches, didn't look 100%. So is it going to be KJ Jefferson running the ball, who's having a fumble, like the fumble problem of his life this season, uh, just trying to do too much. And then, you know, you get into it, the whole Kendall Bryles is not calling the game that Sam Pittman wants. That is an underlying story that is not being talked about enough. I flip over to the other side and stuck. We, I mean, we're a broken record about this Arkansas defense. Saban stated, and, and you know, we've said this for years. We handicap this team all the time. Saban said, we have a philosophy about how we want to attack teams when we head into games. And, and we use this against Notre Dame in the playoff. We use this against Cincinnati in the playoff. We, we know what they're going to want to do. Do they want to sit on the ball and run it up the gut? Do they want to go you know electric and, and spread it out and throw it? And he said, we knew that if we spread the Vandy defense out, it, w- it would be beneficial to us. 12 players caught a pass last week. Six targets had explosive runs against the Vandy defense. Why did you push yourself? When Saban sees that this four-man front leads the nation in sacks, now albeit it's South Carolina and FCS offensive line, when he sees that from Arkansas, and when he sees that the secondary is outside the top 100 in coverage grading, his philosophy is going to be to hit the air. There's just not enough defenders because, yes, Miles Slusher is back, and he can play safety, he can play corner, he can play slot corner. The problem is there's not enough of him. Now, when I say the tackling is bad and it's god-awful, bumper pool, Jaden Johnson at corner and Drew Sanders, the Alabama transfer that's going to be fired up for this game are the three worst graded tacklers on this defense. Can they rush the passer? They're excellent at that. Can they tackle? No. And they're not going to be able to do it at the second level. And, you know, we talk about all these stats about what Bryce Young's doing on the road. The last three times Saban has come to Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium, 52 points, 65 points, 49 points. I understand different head coaches, different teams and all that stuff. Saban's philosophy in this game is going to be get Bryce Young away from this defensive line that leads the nation in sacks, throw into that secondary that's been absolutely god-awful, and try to create some explosive plays against a, a team that ranks 121st in tackling. Oh, and by the way, Arkansas is outside the top 100 in penalties. Arkansas is sloppy. They're not executing, they're not tackling, and now the coaches are not doing what Sam Pittman wants. I'm taking Bama at 17. Uh, Wow. I think they're going to score 40 uh, for the team total. Right now, I think about 39 and a half. That Missouri State game has you shook. All you do is fade Sammy Covers now. Bring Petrino back. How many missed tackles did you see? Missouri State just shed them off like it was a JV defense. Right. Would you back Arkansas plus 17 if Petrino was coaching? Yes, because he'd be calling the plays and not Kendall Browns. Wow, right? what is I that? Petrino Petrina's a mastermind. Kendall, Kendall Browns is running uh, a Jefferson dive on first and four from the goal. His play calling is aloof, and I wouldn't be surprised if Pittman went in and said, you're changing this and you're changing this, you're changing that, but things are not going well on both sides of the ball, and Jefferson's trying to do too much, and it shows. You're 16 and six against the spread. So I want to say thank you. Go Hogs. The traitor. Get him, Hogs. I might, I might, I can't get a feel on this guy. I keep going back and forth. I show a little value on Arkansas. Oh, the I number. Yeah. End up stay- I probably yeah. wind up staying away, or I might throw a little, little couch change on Arkansas money line. Oh, boy. Maybe we'll, we'll get on Twitter and have some fun. All right. Much more on that game on Big Bets on Campus Live. 
Saturday morning. We know who Brett's taking, right? We we know Brett's got the roll tide sign ready to go. Yeah. McMurphy, you monstrous erection, you. All right, let's move on to our next marquee game of the day. Oklahoma State at Baylor. Baylor's a two-and-a-half-point favorite here over under 56-and-a-half. Oklahoma State's in the top ten now. Why? Why? I love Baylor here. I don't know why this line is under three. I was low on Baylor coming into the year. They're lost a lot in their secondary. Their lines are excellent. The trenches, they're excellent. Can't run on them at all. And Oklahoma State can't run. Their secondary and wide receiver, their skill positions lost a lot. But I must have missed the memo in Oklahoma State. They lost Knowles. They lost all this. They lost everything on the defense. It's still Spencer Sanders, a quarterback. They beat the Arizona State Corps. They beat a MAC team that put up 45. And they beat Pine Bluff. Now they're a top 10 team. What? And I don't know why this line is in the field goal. Second Bears. Oklahoma State's defense, by the way, which we all have questions about without Knowles, has been horrendous. They're outside the top 100 in EPA per pass. They played Arizona State, the team that got blown up by Eastern Michigan at home, Central Michigan, who put up almost a 50-burger, and Pine Bluff. That's their schedule. Now, from a situational travel point of view, it's a great spot for Oak State. They have revenge from the Big 12 championship loss where they came up just short. They've had they had a bye the week before. Meanwhile, Baylor has gone from, you know, home to BYU to Waco to Ames last week. So it's the preparation, all that does favor Oklahoma State, but I'm trusting my priors here. And I don't like what I've seen from this Oklahoma State team. Yes, Spencer Sanders has had three good games against the Corpse, a Mac team, and Pine Bluffs. Like that that's it. He's had 10 touchdowns and one interception. You know what's coming? Vintage Spencer Sanders game. You know what he had last year against Baylor and David Ramis defense? And I know Baylor's secondary isn't as good. One touchdown, seven interceptions in two games. I think I like Baylor at home. Anything under a field goal, which you could still get right now. Sickham Bears. You? Yeah, I mean, you kind of covered it there. You want to know who Spencer Sanders' daddy is? Because it's not Mr. Sanders. It's Dave Aranda. Uh, Dave, Spencer Sanders cannot figure out the multiple defense that can, I mean, Dave Aranda has got like 20 different kinds of personnel running on in the game. Uh, three interceptions a year ago in the 2021 regular season game, four interception uh, interceptions, in the big 12 championship last year, you go back to 2020 during the pandemic season, they had to have a makeup game at the end of the year. Spencer Sanders had two interceptions in that game. Uh, Spencer Sanders wants nothing to do with staring at a Dave Aranda defense. So, yeah, by the way, cash your tickets. Went to Big 12 Media Days. They voted Spencer Sanders the number one quarterback, first-team quarterback. It's like, where's all the quarterbacks in the Big 12? How did this happen? His his big-time throw rate has been cut in half. From a career perspective, it's been completely cut in half, and it's been a soft schedule. Baylor and Oklahoma State right now are second and third in the nation in offensive finishing drives. They are making scoring opportunities into touchdowns. Blake Shapen Oklahoma State also goes fast. Yeah, the tempo is high. So just to say, I love the over in this game. But Baylor allowed Iowa State to score a TD on all four drives that went past the 40-yard line. So it's happening on the defensive side of the ball, too. To me, this is an over all the way. I just replay that Central Michigan game over and over and over in my head. They were able to score at will. There's another game where I would love 55. I, I can see a couple books that are teetering on 55 and a half. So maybe I got to buy it there. But yeah, this is over for me. I don't trust Oklahoma State at all. I'm wearing my Baylor green for a reason. And yeah, Oklahoma State, with that schedule, sixth worst EPA per play on early downs. Very predictive. That's not great. Let's go Baylor. All right, before we continue, 
As a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. So kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, let's go to our final marquee game of the day. NC State at Clemson. Clemson's a six and a half point favorite here. Over-under is bouncing all over the place with weather speculation. I think it's up to 43 now. It was down in the high 30s, up to 45. Who knows where it is right at the second. I think it's around 43. Clemson has won 36 consecutive games at home. Their last loss came 43-42 to Pitt back in 2016. NC State won this meeting last year in overtime, 27-21. to Their last win at Clemson came back 20 years ago in 2002 with Phillip Rivers. They won to get the 9-0, and and I think they lost a bunch of games in a row after that, but it was the last time they won double-digit games. When I look at this game, by the way, I have to first laugh at Clemson is – Look, they put up 51 last week for Wake. They also put up 48 last year against Wake when they had one of the worst offenses in the country. DJ looks better. The Clemson secondary. But I, I, I just look, here's here's how I break this down. I think the weather looks okay. So I assume Doran is going to come out here and unleash Leary. That's everything that I'm hearing. That's what's going to happen as long as the weather is okay. Can Leary and these receivers take advantage of a vulnerable Clemson secondary? I thought as long as Hartman had time, and he didn't really have – that much time when he did he shredded even when he didn't he was able to shred the Clemson defense which was looked bad against Furman they have holes in the back end they're 75th in defending pass defense success rate but NC State 65th in pass offense success rate so I don't you know like Clemson's defense 80th EPA per pass allowed now I know Sam Hartman's really good I just haven't seen it from Devin Leary with these receivers, that was the big question I had with NC State coming into the year. Their skill positions. They lost their best receiver, Ezukonoma or whatever his name is, and he was their third down bailout, their big possession receiver, their go-to guy. They don't have that. It's like Thayer Thomas in the slot over the middle is a big part of this offense. But other than that, it's a very underwhelming offense so far this year. They're going to unleash Leary. Can he come through is the question. I don't know. I'm having trouble getting a hold of this game. I ultimately think NC State's going to throw a lot. Clemson won't be able to run it. You can't really run on either of these teams, so they're going to have to throw it. And DJ's been better at throwing it, but I think he's going to be under some pressure here. 
a total of 43 and the weather's okay and both teams are throwing leads me to an over. That's where I lean right now. But I also can – I don't think either offense is going to have a ton of success. It all comes down to Leary being able to deal like Hartman. Can he do that or not? I don't know. Extremely confused in this game. I think there's a lot of variance. The weather could change too. I might throw like NC State in a round robin, money line. If you got the over at like 39, 40, and you saw the weather, great. But I'm still a little bit confused. I will laugh at Clemson and Dabo because I always have to do that once a week. Dabo had a son, Drew Sweeney, on the kick return team last week. And Wake Forest said, what the hell is this kid doing on the kick return team? And they kicked it to him. And he caught it. He was up one of the blockers. And he caught it at the 10. And he could barely run. I'm sure. I mean, just compared to D1 athletes, he was a, I'm sure he was a great player in high school. He got tackled at like the 19. The coaches then, instead of taking him off the team, the coaches then said, if they this happens again, kneel it. Don't try to run. Wake next, scores a touchdown, next kickoff. They kick it right to Davos' kid again. He, he takes a knee at the 10. They start the drive at the 10. And then they had to pull him out of the game. Embarrassing. Nepotism at its finest. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you, I don't think you'll see Davos' kid on the kick return unit this week. Colin, what do you see here? I'm filing that away for questions I want to give Dabo next year at Media Days. Um, you know, I'll start with the Clemson defense since you you kind of ended there. I am clear about what side I want to be on in this game, and you're going to take the Clemson numbers. On I here. have friends in Raleigh, by the way, that said you bet Clemson. They saw you bet Clemson. They knew before the season you loved NC State. Yeah. On the Tuesday pod, yeah, it sounded like you were going to like NC State. They want explanation. They want explanations. They are. I have a lot of good friends in Raleigh that come visit here. They're like, Colin played Clemson. What the fuck? So they're pissed. <laughs> they're like, what, they're waiting to see what I do. I'm still undecided. So go ahead and state your case. Listen, I hope I'm wrong. I've got a 14 to one in NC state to win the ACC. Uh, and I said, preseason, I said during the summer, this is the one game where you're going to hedge. I don't think I'm done betting on Clemson. I think I'm going to hit the money line too, just to cover up that 14 to one. So depending on what number you got, you could have got down to eight to one on NC state. That number is the six and a half. The six and a half is not a a hedge play. It's not a hedge play. It's a play outright on Clemson covering. Um, And I think, you know, to, to hedge the NC state ticket, I'm I'm probably going to have to lay a little minus two sixty or do something live, but I'm not sure I'm going to get the chance live. And, you know, I'll start with the defense here. I think you throw all the numbers out the door. They're going to get their two, one of their two top guys back in the secondary that was missing last week. Uh, Andrew Makuba uh, at safety, Sheridan Jones returns to corner. Xavier Thomas is one of the biggest pieces on the defensive line. He hasn't played this year yet. He's supposed to return in this game. Brian Barisi's got some personal things that have been going on off the field. He's going to return for this game. The defense hasn't even come close to playing to its potential. And Wake Forest attacked a secondary last week that was missing its top players. They're back. So when you look at, you know, and Devin- Wake Forest, all, uh, and to be honest, has a better passing attack than NC State. I mean, Hartman yeah, has receivers yeah. are as good as it gets. Yeah, and Devin Leary, yeah, you're right. Devin Leary is not Sam Hartman. He's not on that torrid TD to INT pace that he had last year. And as a matter of fact, he's had – But they good of receivers either on the outside. No, but he's had, he, he's had five big-time throws and five turnover-worthy plays. It, it he's It's just not the same production he's put out last year, and it's not something that's going to beat Clemson secondary. And, you know, I know the box score says four touchdowns against UConn last week. He didn't have any big-time throws, so don't be fooled by that. And 
you know, the offense has had issues moving the chains with their run game. They're have they're having issues doing finishing drives with touchdowns. They've been settling for field goals or not getting any points at all. I think back to the East Carolina game and, and NC State right now is 87th in red zone scoring. So they're just not getting it done when it's money time. And, you know, the biggest issue in this game is that the two starting safeties for the Wolfpack are missing tackles at a high pace. NC State's defense right now, 111th in tackle grading, but that comes primarily from Tanner Ingle and Cyrus Fagan. Both are safeties on the back end, and if there's a Clemson offensive player that gets into the second level, they're just going to blow through them like it's the Arkansas like it's the Arkansas defense. Now, I do have to say this. We are now a DJ Uyunglele podcast. I'm making the executive we. decision. I Yeah, we. It's a we. DJ Uyunglele podcast. What I saw against Wake last week was ridiculous. What he did against Wake's defense was ridiculous. And by the way, Wake ranks. You know, it was ridiculous in that game is the refs. They better not call it like this. Every every throw down the field was PI. If I knew that, I would have bet everything I have on the over. All you had to do is throw it downfield. And he made some good throws and completions, put up a lot of yards. But any incompletion in that game, PI, PI just flags everywhere. That arm that we loved against Notre Dame back in the pandemic season, it's back. Uh, DJ had five passing touchdowns against Wake. None of it was a fluke. And it was pretty impressive against a Wake defense at PFF grades as the ninth best cover t- uh, coverage uh, team in the nation. And I think there's some things that we need to pay attention here with DJ. I tweeted something out la- last night about it. I was shocked to read it. DJ has one turnover play through the air so far this year. The game against Wake was the first time he hasn't had a drop from wide receiver since the Wake game last year. DJ has doubled his big-time throw rate this season from 4.5% up to 9.4%. He's making all the huge throws. And on the ground, this is what I couldn't believe, because when we saw him in the opener against Georgia Tech, he looked slow, right? Lost a lot of weight. He looked slow. He has 18 missed tackles created and 28 rushing attempts this season. You think, okay, well, that's a pretty good rate. He had 14 lifetime before this season and 110 rushing attempts. He's already exceeded that. And a quarter of the attempts this year, he is making people miss on the ground. He has doubled his big time throw rate. DJ is doing things and I don't think he's getting enough credit for it. Even after what happened against wake, this is a Clemson play all the way is it's not, I'm not, you know, the hedge against with NC state. That'll I'll put that in the app some other time, but Clemson's going to cover this game. Uh, DJ is playing elite football Again, the 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 football we thought was going to show up last year is what we have seen so far in the numbers on the ground and through the air. Um, it's going to be a wet ball, sloppy track. I don't want to. Be, I don't want to back an NC State offense that's forty second havoc allowed uh, or a defense that's missing tackles so much. So Clemson for me. I'm still undecided. Keep an eye on the NC State special teams. Two good kickers here, but NC State special teams are elite. And we, you know, Dabo's got his kid on one. His punter's not great. Keep an eye on the special teams, because that could be a path for NC State. We'll talk more about this game, 10.30 a.m. Eastern, Big Bets on Campus Live. All right, good stuff on the marquee games of the weekend. It's time to move on to the rundown. The hyperbole is done. Now we can finally play the game. All right, uh, I'll start here. Quick thoughts, Purdue, Minnesota. Minnesota has been a uh, a machine. They've covered all four games, by the way. It goes back to that trend I mentioned for UNLV. Home favorites that have covered 
with a margin of 14 plus in weeks four and five are 33% over the past 30 years against the spread. Probably a good spot to sell high on Minnesota. I think this line's way too high. But I don't know if Aiden O'Connell's going to play. I think he is. And Brom came out and said the injury happened in the first quarter against Syracuse. So I think it's just a pain tolerance thing because then he played fine the rest of the game. He was shredding. So, and then there's a couple defensive starters that might be back that Purdue needs. They're also the starting running back. All the all of them missed last week against FAU. The run defense also is pretty good when they're fully healthy. I think this is a good opportunity to buy Purdue and sell Minnesota, but it'll depend on if O'Connell and company are back. Keep an eye on the app. If that comes through, I'll have a pretty good idea that they're all back. Right out to the dead range, too, so there's no rush. You can't handicap Purdue right now because of Aiden O'Connell, running back King uh, Daru uh, and his calf and wide receiver Brock Thompson, who's doubtful right now. But I will say that Kirk Soraka coming back to this offense, I know Mo Ibram is going to come back and run the ball. But now that Soraka is back calling plays, the Gophers are just blowing the doors off of people. Their 485 total yards against New Mexico State was their worst offensive performance, and they quit playing in that game in the third quarter. So if you want to avoid... Uh, all the Purdue questions that we have play the Minnesota team total over, which I, I think is probably going to get put in by the end of the night by me. Uh, West Virginia, Texas, Texas, nine point favorite. This is a team without a fumble, without another bounce. They could be four and oh, unfortunately they're not laying nine at home against West Virginia. Should be a lot of points in this one. Any yeah. Yeah. On the side. Yeah, I don't know if C.J. Donaldson is going to be able to get tackled by that Texas defense. Uh, We're still waiting to see if, you know, Quinn Ewers, it's going to be Quinn Ewers or Hudson Card. He he might be able to play again. So they both are practicing this week. Both are practicing this week. So waiting on to see that. But if if West Virginia is going to, you know, run C.J. Donaldson uh, up the gut against Texas, then this could be. Uh, a sneaky under game. And I think we're starting to see some under money come in key number there in that range, 65 and 62. It doesn't look like we're going to get up to 65, but uh, I think this may be a slower pace than usual. And we're not, you know, too sure how Texas is going to react after a loss last week. So I lean under there. Speaking of wake forest, they go down to Florida state. So some weather uncertainty, but I think it'll mainly be okay. Florida state's been a machine. They destroyed Boston college last week. Wake's catching seven seven and a half here my angle here is i don't mind the over i mean jordan travis is playing incredible and you anyone can score on wake i think wake will have success they just i mean hartman cooked against this team last year and i think wake's gonna go super fast the florida state defense has a lot of injuries especially on the defensive line depth is a question and i think the wake forest wants to wear them out there's no reason to bet this game pregame in my opinion should be trading scores just like last week when I got Wake plus 14 and a half live, Florida State goes up 7 nothing. Boom, I'm hitting Wake. If Wake is moving the ball, Florida State goes up again. Boom, I'm hitting Wake live. And then I might look at Wake's second half because I think what Wake wants to do here is wear down Florida State and that defensive line. And once they do, then it's going to be free reign for Hartman in that mesh point with a tired Florida State defensive line. Any thoughts there? Yeah, for those of you that hit the opener on Florida State with me, I'm I'm in agreement with Stuck. I, you know, the number is nothing to be acting on right now, but if Florida State is able to get some sort of lead and that number bulges above seven, then it'll be time to buy back on that. So that's the best advice I can give to those of us that were lucky enough to get a really great Sunday number 
on Florida State. Uh, you know, and and that defense just <laughs> the defensive line just keeps having guys go down. They're still putting pressure on quarterbacks, but we'll see if they can do that here. Uh, FSU is 56th in coverage. They haven't faced an elite passing unit yet, so Sam Hartman and A.T. Perry should have a ton of success here. I, I'm not – you can let your Florida State three, three-and-a-half sit if you want. I am going to be buying back on Wake during the game. It would be a dream if I could get double digits. We'll see. Yeah, I got I got plus 14-and-a-half last week in a game that they outplayed Clemson in. Yeah. Should have won. All right, Oregon State at your beloved Utes. Did you say Utes? Yeah, Utes. Tough spot for Oregon State here. Obviously, off that heartbreaking loss against USC. Now they travel to Utah, who pretty much got a bye last week playing the corpse of Arizona State. Are you going to tell everyone to lay it with your Utes? Yeah, the number should be closer to 14. It opened up 9.5. Uh, it got up above 10. I wouldn't be surprised to see Utah take a little bit more money, some steam on game day here. So if you do like the Utes, you can let it go. This number is going to end up at 14. There's a lot of advantages for Utah, uh, with the exception of uh, offensive finishing drives. They have been, uh, you know, not scoring as much when they should have. They've been settling for field goals more more than touchdowns. We'll see if that changes here. But, you know, 16th in the country and and defensive havoc, and that's going to be a problem for Oregon State. Uh, something that USC could not expose whatsoever. Oregon State defensively, they have no pass rush. No pass rush. What's interesting is that they did get a pass rush on Caleb Williams, but they're 128th in the country in pass rush. I, I got to get off this USC hate. Everything seems to turn into USC hate. I cannot wait to unload on Utah when USC comes to town, and I cannot wait to unload when USC makes the college football playoff. It's going to be like a – pay off your mortgage bet. But anyways, no, Utah, I think the numbers are going to steam. Uh, so I would go ahead and grab it uh, once you hear this podcast. By the way, uh, one of our U- great USC fan followers, I missed the voicemail on Sunday. I said no one from USC. He called in and took his medicine. Um, but they're still way ahead of your bet in USC. But shout to him. I wanted to get that out there. All right, let's move on to a segment that we used to do in the past that I'm bringing back. It's called Stink of the Week. Smell it, smell it, smell it. It's the smell. It's quite pungent. Dude, plug your nose. It stinks. This is your Stink of the Week. And we're going dumpster diving, baby. I'm calling this week, the slate is beautiful. My card is ugly. It's hell week, baby. If you want to join me and sweat all the worst teams on the board, we're doing it. I'm going to go through six teams right now, Colin. And all I need you to do is you say agree or disagree after my case. And you can say one sentence. And you're the you're the judge. All right, we're going to start Texas State plus 22 against James Madison. Look, James Madison, by the way, they fit all the trends. To, you know, fade the team undefeated against the spread. Yeah, they they beat App State last week. It was one of my favorite spots of the week. They were in the spots piece. I think App State just wore down the second half. JMU's been incredible. But 22? This line is outrageous. Texas State was just catching 30 at Baylor. But did, did JMU's a seven-point dog on a neutral to Baylor? That's crazy. And Texas State didn't even get embarrassed in that game against Baylor. It's time to sell high on James Madison, your potential flat spot. Uh, give me the Bobs catching over three touchdowns. This line should be closer to two touchdowns, not over three. It's time to sell. Line should be 15. I absolutely agree with you, but no reason to act when that number is at 22, and then we'll just see where it ends up. But, uh, I mean, come on. It'll end up at 20. It's not going to 24. 
All right, uh, let's stay at a, a noon Eastern kick. Navy plus oh, 14 God. or better against Air Force. I love this bet. Sir, no, sir. By the way, you ever get a service academy catching 14 or more? You take it. You ever have a service academy laying 14 or more? You fade it unless they're playing Nevada. Uh, service academies laying 14 or more, 39, 55, and two against the spread past 20 years. That's 41%. How about uh, that's three, eight, and one? against the spread against triple option teams who obviously know the triple option and then the game is stalled. There's limited possessions service academies when getting 14 or more past 20 years, 62% just clockwork in this particular matchup. Like both these teams are just, they just know each other. By the way, over the past 20 years, unders have gone 49, 11 and three, 82% in service Academy games, including a streak of 21, two and one. Over the past 24 games since 2014. But in this particular game, look, these teams know each other really well. They practice against triple option all the time. Air Force's run defense has been leaky, very leaky. Navy's run D has been elite all year. No one can run on them. Their past is bad, real bad. But Air Force is not going to throw. We'll throw a little bit here and there. But stalemate game, Navy hangs it in two touchdowns. Let's go mids. I'm going to join you and I'm going to hate myself for it because every time I bet on Navy, it's embarrassing. But you are absolutely correct. These Air Force defensive numbers are shocking. They are 111th in defensive finishing drives. They're allowing everybody to score a touchdown. They're 92nd defensive rushing success rate. The Navy's run day has been elite, elite, elite. And, And you know what else is elite? Navy's top 10 in the nation defensive finishing drives. Teams are going away with no points or only three points, not touchdowns against Navy's defense. So I'm with you. It's gross. God, you're killing me here. This is God. This is Let's gross. Go. It's only going to it's only going to get better, baby. Northwestern plus twenty five and a half against Penn State. This line is crazy inflated. And by the way, it's a great spot for Northwestern. They're up three straight home games, three straight home losses to Duke, Southern Illinois, and Miami Ohio. But if you dig in. They outgained all three opponents. They were negative seven turnover margin. They turned it over nine times. Gave it up twice. Tons of short fields for their opponents. Very unlucky. Go on the road here as dogs after three straight home losses where they didn't cover historically over a 30-year period. Those teams 80% against the spread for what it's worth. But, and I think that's playing into this line here. Meanwhile, Penn State's been killing teams, but they're 8-0 in turnovers the past three games. Plus eight turnover margin. Like Auburn put up a lot of yards. Central Michigan was kind of hanging around. Penn State doesn't care about this game. They want to get up and get out of town, get to their bye, because they have Minnesota. Well, first they have Michigan, then Minnesota, then Ohio State on deck. And all James Franklin has talked about, and he's talked about it, and he's walked the walk. He's playing a shit ton of true freshmen. He's even getting, he think he's going to get the backup quarterback in there in the second quarter this week, he's saying because he wants to build depth. That's all he's talked about because depth has hurt him in the past. So you'll probably get backups in here soon. This line is super inflated. And I'll tell you this with Northwestern, I'm not saying they're going to win the West division, but if you go back to 2018, this is just eerie. They started off the year with a road win and they're in first place right now. One and zero in the West. 
2018, they started off when they 2018, they finished in the top 25 and won the West. This is how they started the year. Win away from home against Purdue. One to no. They come home for three home games. They lose to Duke. Sound familiar? They lose to a Mac team. They lost to Akron as 24-point favorites. Akron. They lost 24-point favorites. At least my Ohio was only a seven-point underdog. And then they lost to, I think, another Big Ten team. They go on the road. Didn't cover any of them. 0-3. They go on the road for a Big Ten game. Double-digit underdogs. What'd they do? They won outright at Michigan State. Don't sleep on Pat's cats in this spot. Mm. Pat's cats. You're killing me here. I might join you here. I'm not sure if I'm going to join you on Navy. I'm not sure I could join you here. All right, let's keep it rolling. And there could be some weather here, so it could be lower scoring. Let's keep it rolling. Let's go with the ultimate catch the falling knife spot. Colorado plus 17 and a half against Arizona. I love this game. Shame. Shame. By the way, Arizona, you know they have on deck Oregon, then Washington, then USC, then Utah. Like, again, get out with a win, stay healthy, don't show too much. Potential sleepy spot here. But Colorado, who's 0-4 against the spread, not covering by a billion points. Literally, I I think it might be a billion points. They have been beyond dreadful. If you, The more you dig into their numbers, the uglier it gets. Like, it is... It's horrible. But for what it's worth, road teams who have yet to cover in week five, 48-26-1, covering by five points per game, 65%. Who wants to bet these teams in week five? This line is super inflated, in my opinion. And look, there's reason for optimism as to why this is the bottom of the market for Colorado. They had quarterbacks who could not complete a pass the first three weeks. Last week, they put in Owen McCown, a freshman, Josh McCown's kid, they're their best passing game of the past three years. He's the best quarterback by far. It's not Lewis, who I hate, and it's not Shrout, who like went like five of 12 in his start. It's McCown. He looked pretty good throwing the ball downfield. And what the worst part about Colorado, and I hate Colorado. I have under three wins or whatever it was, is their run defense has been, I mean, it is unspeakably bad. They're yeah, 131st they're, in defensive rushing success rate, yeah. Yeah, it's worst place by far. But they played four teams that are top 25 rushing, like Minnesota, Air Force, UCLA, right? Like they played all good uh, TCU. Arizona's not a great rushing team. So they'll get a break in that aspect. I think Colorado covers this game. It's time to catch the falling night. You did not have to do that. You did not have to do that. You, you're forcing something in there. Agree or disagree? I'm, I'm out. I'm with you on all these dirty teams. I am not placing a nickel of my money on a Mike Sanford offensive coordinator. No way. I was with you. Owen McCown, baby. This stop, I'm out. Owen McCown. All right, the last one. Ooh, this one's bad. Boston College, plus 15 at home. They've been a disaster. I don't know. Their offensive line has been a disaster. Jerkovich has been a disaster. They get Louisville at home. Noon kickoff. Look, BC has talent. They've especially at, in the secondary and a wide receiver. Their offensive line has been bad. Direct, which has been bad. I think this is the time to buy the bottom. BC catching 15 and a half at home against a dumb Louisville team. Louisville, so much of what they do is running Cunningham. And BC's D is small. That's one of their problems. Their D line is small. 
but I think that they'll be okay to chase around. Like there's their team speed on defense, chase around Cunningham. They have a couple guys who I think will be good spies on him. And Louisville will make their mistakes. I think this is the bottom of the market for BC. I'm buying them at 15 and a half point home dogs. Agree or disagree? No, I agree. The number is completely inflated. I've got this projected at Boston College plus nine. I know SP plus is at 10. So the, the I'm number at eight, 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 yeah, eight. Yeah, the number is way up there. Uh, Boston College actually has a better tackling grade than Louisville. Uh, the problem with Boston College's defense is the is the coverage grading. They're much better against the rush. They're 42nd in defensive line yards. So, yeah, I could get into this. I don't know how they score any points, but, yeah, I, I could see where <laughs> the Louisville, meter Louisville stupidity. 27 penalties and turnovers. All right, that'll be – I think I've taken all the trash out. Yeah, Can I throw one in? Next, yeah. Louisiana's going to win at home. So, absolutely, they look great at home. Win two games at home. They go on the road for two games with their brand-new coach. Lost them both. Rice, ULM. Now they're coming home against the South Alabama team that I believe is undefeated against the spread. I am a believer that Louisiana can do it, pull it off at home. South Alabama uh, has given some Power 5 teams a real uh, struggle. Uh, and, and now they're going to travel, and I just think this number right here is way too high for Louisiana. It's switched on them. I mean, they've gone from being a – a 13-point favorite over Rice to being a nine-point underdog to to South Alabama. It's just too far of a swing. So uh, I'm back in the Raging Cages at home uh, to get a cover. That South Alabama team's a wagon, by the way. But, yeah, this line is probably over-inflated. South Alabama, a favorite that's 4-0 against the spread, 38% past 30 years in week five. All right, that's enough trash for this weekend. I don't think I have any other on my radar. We're not betting UConn, don't worry. But yeah, these UMass. days, if you want to join me, you, it takes some courage because it's not going to be fun. Um, at least you're covering right when the game starts. And these days didn't tend to go really well or really poorly. So there, there was a whole bunch of money on UMass last week and I couldn't figure it out and they got their doors blown off. So, I mean, you, you know, you got to pick and choose the trash, right? You just can't take all the trash. You got to pick and choose which trash you're going to take. Mm, what's that smell? It stinks. What do you mean? This trash. The sweet, sweet trash. The trash is a gold mine. Gold mine. Gold mine. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not taking FIU. I will not. I refuse to bet FIU. But some of this trash is playing team or playing teams that have are also overinflated in the market. So you have kind of value from both sides on some of these games. So I'm not playing Temple. Kurt Warner's kid is now the Temple quarterback. Juan Mathis, by the way, started. He was a starter at Georgia, starting quarterback at Georgia, week one a couple of years ago. He's now he's he's now been moved from quarterback to receiver at Temple, and Kurt Warner's kid has taken over. I mean, how hard? That's got to be hard to go to wake up and go to practice. You're like, I was the starting quarterback at Georgia. Now I've just been moved to receiver at Temple. Do you know what team has been absolutely terrible this year and finally had a an epiphany in the second half and woke up and now they get a really great spot? That's Virginia. Virginia going to Duke after Duke lost that game. I mean, potentially game day was going to come. It was a huge game against Kansas. Lose that game, come home, and Virginia gets an extra day of rest. In the second half, Brennan Armstrong finally woke up and remembered who he was. So, look yeah, out, yeah. Duke. Yeah, I'm not playing Arizona State, by the way. We're not fading USC. This week. I, can't, <laughs> I can't bet the corpse. I just, got, I just hope that USC doesn't turn it over. All right, before we get out of here, we have one final order of business. Let's go. Three and out. Let's make it a quick three and out. All right, let's start with our favorite bet on first down. 
I will start things off. I'm going with, uh, we're going to keep the theme going of more uh, stinks of the week. I'm going with Charlotte, plus three at home against UTEP. I have to put Charlotte in my best bets. That's the only way that Chris Reynolds starts and finishes a game. Did it against with Georgia State. Going back to the well here. Sorry, Minor Nation, but this line is crazy. I think Charlotte should be at least a three-point favorite at home. The wind is not going to be an issue. So Chris Reynolds, by the way, you can look at any of Charlotte's numbers if you want. Throw them out. They were almost beating South Carolina for half, and then they pulled him because they didn't want him to get hurt. He took a big hit. Word is they just were protecting him for conference play. First half of Florida Atlantic, competitive. He gets hurt. They're blown out. Blown out in every other game where he didn't play. The one game he started and finished, they won as 21-point underdogs, and he threw for six touchdowns at 400 yards. It's one of the best passing attacks at the Group of 5 level. UTEP secondary is awful. They should be able to take advantage at home. UTEP, everyone for UTEP, I think, you know, they beat Boise. I was on them. I think that was more about Boise. Did everyone forget that two weeks ago UTEP lost by 20 to New Mexico? That UTEP has one of the worst offenses in the country? By the way, UTEP in program history is 0-26-1 in the Eastern time zone. Don't know what that means, but I find it hilarious. It's time to buy Charlotte here. I think Reynolds is good to go. As long as he doesn't get hurt. If he gets hurt, yeah, the bet's over. But it's a risk I'm willing to take, even though it's burnt me twice already this year. <laughs> Reynolds finishes the game. Charlotte wins. Give me the Charlotte. 49ers catching three at home. Yeah, sadly, I'm going to fade our beloved Roadrunners of UTSA. I'm going to take Middle Tennessee. We're fading UTEP and UTSA in our best yeah, bets. Wow. I, I mean, I, I these are my two favorite teams, and we're fading them both. Uh, we're going to go with Middle Tennessee plus four, plus four and a half is out there. And I believe every descent of Middle Tennessee was kind of thrown off at the beginning because James Madison absolutely blew them out. We all wrote Middle Tennessee off as a team that's just going to, you know, be one of the worst in their conference. But they've been anything but covering three straight since then. Last week, 408 passing yards against the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, Chase Cunningham at quarterback, 16.3 yards per pass last week, just on fire since James Madison, nine big time throws and only three turnover worthy plays. Four of his targets have had uh, right now, four of his targets have greater than two yards per route run, meaning he's got a lot of explosive weapons around him. UTSA has been terrible against the pass 115th in coverage ranking. They give up 300 yards to army middle Tennessee state. They are for real. Uh, I think it was the James Madison game in week one that threw everybody off, but I am completely on them here hosting our UTSA road runners plus four, plus four and a half. Look for middle Tennessee to win it outright. We're fading UTSA and UTEP with Charlotte and my nemesis, middle Tennessee state. This is our listeners are not going to like this. That game should shatter UTSA, middle Tennessee. That should, yeah. should be a free over uh, second down our favorite overdog, AKA our favorite favorite. It's called the overdog parlay. After a couple sweeps back-to-back, we didn't hit these last week. For this week, I'm going with Iowa State, minus three, on the road at Kansas. I'm sorry. Look, we're feeding all all my favorite teams. Uh, I'm sorry, but this line is crazy because, number one, the best unit, both offenses should move the ball. Kansas' defense is atrocious, like really, 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 really bad. Yes, they pulled two upsets off. They were outgained in both. You know, they got the bounces that went their way. There's some regression coming if you look in some of the advanced metrics. But Iowa State's defense is really good. It'll be the best defense they faced all year. They'll get some stops in this game. That'll be the difference. They also have some film, great defensive staff. They have now a lot of film on what the electric and awesome 
Daniels is doing in this offense. I think they'll come up with some good adjustments here. This is just a crazy overreaction. Last year, I know Kansas is better and Iowa State lost a lot, but Deckers looks fine. The offense looks fine. The defense has been great. And last week against Baylor, they just had a bunch of penalties, like drive-killing penalties on defense, like personal fouls. Last year, Iowa State won this game, I think, 58-7. to They were 35-point favorites at home. I get that Kansas is better, but they're not that much better, and Iowa State is not that. There were there 35-point favorites when I have 50. The Kansas train comes to an end. Iowa State, minus three. And by the way, maybe it's not Brocktober. Maybe it's Matt Campbell. Cocktober? Oh, God, that's not – we'll call it Cocktober. Cocktober might be a thing. And by the way, is an underdog or favorite of three or less. Matt Campbell, 34-18 against the spread. 66%. Only Brian Kelly has been more profitable in that spot. That includes an absurd 26-12 and 12 against the spread mark against Big 12 opponents, covering by an average of seven points per game. This is a great spot to back Campbell off a loss to boot. Candace, it's over. You're not getting ranked. Sorry. <laughs> That's too bad. Nick Murphy had his chance and he didn't do it. Yeah, he had his chance to make history and he, and he didn't get it done. I'm going to put it over and take a San Jose State team. I think there's two different perceptions between San Jose State and Wyoming. Uh, a Wyoming team that, uh, you know, has struggled against Northern Colorado. They needed some turnovers just to get that game. Uh, didn't get the cover there. Uh, and then Air Force was missing a boatload of players in that Wyoming win, that primetime game that everybody got to see and assumed that this Wyoming team offense and defense was, you know, going to challenge in the Mountain West. But this is still a defense for Wyoming that is 130th in tackling right now, one of the worst in coverage, pass rush, havoc. The defense is not good whatsoever, and they're allowing everybody – to score touchdowns. When you look at San Jose State, it's sort of the same thing. They lose to Fresno. Uh, and then against Auburn, they lose the game. They cover. They lose by just a possession. But what's more important is their yards per play were greater than Auburn in that game when they traveled. It was shocking to everybody that they had 329 uh, total offensive yards, uh, were able to sling the ball over the place. And then finally that played out against Western Michigan last week with a spread of only six and a half. Uh, they covered that game by 28 point by 28 points so this is just the wrong perception on two teams based on what they've done before wyoming's win over air force was a fluke they needed turnovers to win against the fcs team and san jose state went down and put up as many yards as auburn in their home uh look for them to take advantage of a very weak wyoming team on the road uh there's a reason why this game is steamed all the way up to three probably going to steam higher before it comes so my overdog is going to be the san jose state spartans yeah, I completely agree here. Uh, it was funny. we You put this bet in on, on the app, and I, I had just bet it. And I was like, am I bet synced somehow? Like, what is going on? How did this show? And I was like, oh, no, this wasn't me. It was very, very odd. So maybe it's meant to be. But, yeah, I agree. Wyoming has been bad. I mean, you look at their defensive metrics, bad, bad, bad. And San Jose State been really good the past couple of weeks. And they figured out some stuff on the offensive line. They struggled in the opener against F- an FCS team. Cordero on a new offense with new receivers, but the Wyoming defense has been a disaster. They have a fluke win over Tulsa, and yes, they beat Air Force, but they know how to defend the triple option. That's what Air Force 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 was five players. Yeah, yeah, Air Force was missing a bunch of starters, but Wyoming always plays. You know, those games, those triple option games can be very high variance. 
But Air Force was missing players. Wyoming has a bunch of, you know, three-point wins. Then they, you know, they were down by 10 late against Tulsa, and they were down late against Air Force. And there's just nothing appealing about this Wyoming team. San Jose State is much better. Um, Craig Bowl is excellent, but I agree. All right, let's move on to our final segment. Let's talk our money favorite Moneyline underdogs. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. Do you want me last to go week, first and sh- change it up? You got to win one. Yeah, we sh- I know. We should have swept last week. I had Oregon State. I've had a couple really bad ones and then a couple just heartbreaking ones. Yeah, you can go first. All right. I'll go first. We got to change it up and get this one to the window. I, I'm going to do TCU plus, uh, not the plus six and a half. They're going to win outright. Uh, I'm going to have a full write up over on Action Network. So make sure and check that out. But listen, Kansas State asked Adrian Martinez to do more. They asked him to run more, they asked him to pass more. The result, he had four rushing touchdowns on the ground. Oklahoma had absolutely no answers. It was a blitz by Kansas State and a dual threat quarterback. Venables commented earlier this week. The linebacker unit for my defense is an issue. We have no depth, and there's no chance we're playing any freshmen. Uh, OU is now 110th in defensive line yards. Anybody can run on them in the trench. They are outside the top 75 in success rate. And now you got Max Duggan coming in, like another explosive uh, dual-threat quarterback. TCU has almost as many long-rushing plays as any team in the nation, and they've only played three games. Uh, and that is just not going to be good for the Oklahoma defense whatsoever. You can't expect the Sooners to improve uh, against a dual threat quarterback like Max Duggan after what you saw with Adrian Martinez. Now, Dylan Gabriel is going to get his points in this game. The Oklahoma offense is going to score against this TCUD. SMU was mounting a comeback, uh, but they just did not have enough pieces to get there. Oklahoma does. Oklahoma is going to be there, uh, you know, shot for shot. But the fact that, you know, Oklahoma is incapable of stopping TCU means they're going to be playing catch-up the entire day. Uh, This game is going to come down to whatever offense stops themselves. And right now, considering that Quentin Johnson owns Oklahoma in this series, I don't see TCU stop scoring at any point in this game. Give me the Frogs to send the Sooners to 0-2 in Big 12 Conference play. Sooners 6-12 against the spread as road favorites since 2017, by the way. Uh, Yeah, I I agree with you here. I'm just waiting on that 7 to see if it pops. Uh, I'm going to go with Troy. Troy Moneyline against Western Kentucky. This is one of the first bets I made earlier this week as well. I saw the five and a half and I said, what? Why is this line five and a half? I, they're going to be my round robins. I like the money line. Western Kentucky is the definition of over, you know, overinflated in the market due to flawed perception. They've been great. If you look at all their offensive numbers, they're elite, but we know they lost Zappy and a bunch of pieces and on both sides of the ball. Here's who they beat. Here's their three wins. Florida International. It's a it's a middle school team, literally. They're outside the top 200, I think, if you include FCS schools. They're not a top 200 team. Hawaii. Hawaii might be just as bad as Florida International. They, are, they might be outside the top 200. And Austin P. Austin P. by the way, is significantly better than both Hawaii and Florida International. And Austin P. was in that game until very late. But everyone seems to forget that. Everyone seems to just see Western Kentucky blowing out maybe even grade school teams, Florida International. Florida International should be banished. They don't even have any pads. They, yeah, they had to borrow pads. Yeah, it's it's a joke. Uh, and Hawaii is 
Oh, right. Hawaii gave up about, I think, 50 to New Mexico State last week. It's 500 yards. So they, I'm going my priors here. I, I haven't done much with Western Kentucky. Troy is supposed to be really good. One of the most, I thought, a, a sleeper in the Sun Belt. By the way, they beat Marshall. They should have beat App State, if not for a Hail Mary. And they lost that old Miss. One of the best defenses at the group of five level, led by Carl and Marshall. I think that they can contain this Western Kentucky offense, which is going to be in for a rude awakening going from the clown shows that they've faced to this Troy defense. And then I think Troy will have some success moving the ball against this Western Kentucky defense. Uh, this game's a coin flip. Uh, if not, Troy should be favored slightly. Um, give me the Trojans. So we're going Trojans and Frogs. Let's get it done this week. All right. That'll do it for us. Thanks, as always, to Colin for joining me. Thanks to all of you for listening. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. Leave a five-star review. Really appreciate those. They help us out a ton. Any giveaways, producer, throw in now. Mention who who has to contact us to get some giveaways. Any five-star review, you can say whatever. Thank you, Stucky. Yes, a number of winners this week. Thank you again to everyone for sending in these five-star reviews. First winner is Go Tigers, 19NC. His review, Weekly Must Listen. Next one, Steve Boynton, VT. Awesome podcast for hardcore and casual college football fans. T. Gavin, too, with your review, so good. Juicer, review, uh, better, better. Claiming that we've made you a better, better, and for that, a better husband and father. Couldn't agree more. Boom Pilot, thank you for your review, five out of five. And T. Schaefer, Stucky and Colin in full effect. Thanks to all of our five-star reviewers and to our winners. Please email me at podcasts at actionnetwork.com to claim your prize. And to be clear, we are absolutely not a DJ Yui Ungalele podcast. If you're going dumpster diving with me this week, best of luck to us. <laughs> Follow us all on the Action Network app. Make sure you download that. Make sure you download the update if you already have it. Some really good new features. Tune in 10.30 a.m. Eastern, Big Bets on Campus Live. On Twitter, myself, Brett McMurphy, Colin Wilson, will go over the card. Colin, I'll be back Monday reviewing the awesome weekend slate that we have. Group of five guys, their episode's already out. Comes out every Wednesday. The new BCS, we're changing the format a little bit. We'll have a little bit more actual info from the weekend. Make sure you tune into that. Still some bullshitting around about college football, but that'll be out on Tuesdays. We'll talk some injury updates, the box score frauds. Look ahead to... You know, once we get more weekday games, we'll be looking ahead to those as well. So having a really fun time doing that. Appreciate all of your support. Let's have a weekend. Can't wait for this slate. We'll catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out. Peace out.